0: Good morning, Alex and friends. Today is Monday, June 12th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. Today in Riverside, California, the high temperature will be a comfortable 68.6 degrees, while the low will be 59.4. On today's episode, we'll be covering a range of important stories. These include the Russian-Ukrainian conflict, which has been overshadowed by a catastrophic flooding disaster and calls for long-term security guarantees from NATO. We'll also be looking at the global issue of fraud and waste in COVID-19 relief aid, as well as the U.S.'s recent decision to rejoin UNESCO and pay $600M in back dues as a counter to China's growing influence. Finally, we'll explore a new framework for anti-dopamine parenting, which aims to combat addiction in children, Stay tuned for all this and more on Alex's News. Welcome back. Now, let's turn to the ongoing conflict between Russia and Ukraine, which is currently dominating the headlines. We have our news reporter Antoni with us to provide an in-depth analysis of the situation. Antoni, can you shed some light on what's been happening between the two countries?
1: Certainly, Connie. So Ukraine has claimed to have breached Russian defenses in the southeast. However, the situation has been overshadowed by a devastating flooding disaster that is sweeping across Ukraine, damaging the farming industry and transport routes.
0: That's a lot to unpack. Can you tell us more about the flooding disaster and how it's impacted the people of Ukraine?
1: Absolutely. The flooding has been catastrophic with entire towns and farmlands submerged and transport routes destroyed. The farming industry has suffered significant losses, with crops destroyed and animals lost. This disaster has put additional pressure on Ukraine, which is already grappling with the conflict with Russia.
0: That's really concerning. In light of these events, what is NATO doing to address the conflict and ensure Ukraine's safety?
1: Well, the Financial Times has called for NATO to provide long-term security guarantees to Ukraine, which includes putting Kiev on the road towards membership and post-war planning to make Ukraine a hub of the continent's green transition. NATO is also planning its biggest-ever air exercise in a German-led drill aimed at displaying the alliance's ability to mount a swift response against potential Russian aggression.
0: Interesting. Can you talk about the sanctions placed on Russia and their impact?
1: Sure thing, Connie. The sanctions on Russia are squeezing the country's net export earnings, leading to a call for the surpluses accumulated since last year to be targeted. This has put significant pressure on Russia's economy and could potentially lead to economic instability and further geopolitical tension.
0: Finally, can you tell us about the U.S.'s involvement in the conflict?
1: Recent reports suggest that the U.S. was aware of the Ukrainian plot to attack Nord Stream. However, it is unclear what actions the U.S. has taken in response to this information. Additionally, the OECD's chief economist has called for governments to cut fiscal support and instead target those who really need it, which could have broader implications for the conflict and its resolution.
0: Thank you, Antony, for such a comprehensive overview of the situation between Russia and Ukraine. It's clear that there are many factors at play here, from geopolitical tensions to natural disasters, and we'll be sure to keep our viewers updated as events unfold. Now, Ellie, our next story is about the widespread fraud and waste that has hampered the distribution of COVID-19 relief aid worldwide. Can you tell us more about the situation? Ellie, that's quite a significant amount of money wasted or stolen. How did these fraudsters manage to carry out their acts?
2: Criminals have used various tactics such as the identities of dead people and federal prisoners to obtain unemployment checks, while others collected benefits in multiple states. The Small Business Administration dropped administrative safeguards, and this led to fake businesses receiving loans meant for struggling small businesses. State unemployment agencies have also been targeted by fraud schemes, with billions of dollars meant for those in need ending up in the hands of criminals.
0: That's really unfortunate. What has been the response from the federal government?
2: The federal government has been criticized for providing limited guidance and unclear communication, which caused confusion and delays in getting aid to those who need it most. Federal prosecutors are currently working to pursue cases of identity theft, but there is no guarantee they will catch all those who profited from pandemic-related fraud. The final accounting of stolen funds from COVID-19 relief aid is still at least a couple of years away, and the number is expected to grow as investigators dig deeper into thousands of potential schemes.
0: Are there any other factors that might be responsible for the fraud and abuse of the relief funds?
2: Yes, another factor is the lack of proper enforcement and transparency. The Small Business Administration, for example, lacked thorough vetting on the recipients of the loans. This led to many fake businesses receiving loans and using the funds for personal reasons instead of their intended purpose of keeping small businesses afloat.
0: Thank you, Ellie, for bringing us up to speed on the fraudulent disbursement of COVID-19 relief aid. It is so important for the authorities to beef up their monitoring and enforcement efforts to prevent further abuse. Our third story of the day is about the United States rejoining UNESCO after over a decade of dispute. Joining us now is our news reporter, Arnold. Arnold, can you tell us more about what happened?
3: Sure, Connie. So after a 10-year-long dispute, the United States has decided to rejoin UNESCO and pay over $600 million in back dues. This comes after both the U.S. and Israel stopped their funding when UNESCO included Palestine as a member. Can you
0: explain to our viewers what UNESCO is and why it's significant?
3: UNESCO is a specialized agency of the United Nations that aims to promote peace and security through international cooperation in education, science, and culture. Its main objectives include the promotion of cultural and linguistic diversity, gender equality, and the rule of law. UNESCO is significant because it plays a critical role in shaping global policies on education, science, and culture.
0: What were the reasons behind the U.S. withdrawing from UNESCO in 2018?
3: The Trump administration cited anti-Israel bias and management issues as the reasons for the U.S.'s withdrawal from UNESCO in 2018. This was a significant blow to the organization as the U.S. was one of its largest funders.
0: And why did the Biden administration decide to rejoin UNESCO?
3: The Biden administration decided to rejoin UNESCO due to fears of China filling the void left by the U.S. and Israel in UNESCO policymaking and technology education. The U.S. is expected to pay $150 million for the 2024 budget designated to UNESCO dues and arrears. The move is seen as necessary to counter China's growing influence in global policymaking on areas such as artificial intelligence, as it could undercut U.S. values and norms.
0: What potential implications or consequences could arise from the U.S. rejoining UNESCO?
3: Well, one potential consequence of the U.S. rejoining UNESCO is that it may lead to a more collaborative approach to global policymaking on education, science, and culture. Additionally, the move could help restore the U.S.'s leadership role in these areas, which is critical for maintaining its global influence. However, there may also be some concerns about the impact of Chinese influence on the organization's policy-making process.
0: Are there any other related factors or peculiarities that we should keep in mind?
3: Yes, Connie. It's worth noting that the U.S. decision to rejoin UNESCO came as a surprise to many, as it was a controversial issue during the Trump administration. Additionally, This move is in line with the Biden administration's broader efforts to re-engage with international organizations and rebuild global alliances. We
0: have some interesting news today on childhood behavior. According to new research, children's brains release dopamine when they engage in certain activities like playing video games, using social media, consuming sugary foods, and watching videos. Here to discuss the details is our news reporter Jenna. Jenna, can you explain what dopamine is and why it is important in this context?
4: Sure, Connie. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter that's crucial in regulating movement, motivation, reward, and pleasure. It stimulates the pleasure centers in the brain and creates a sense of euphoria when things go well. The problem arises when the euphoria becomes an addiction and people start seeking out more dopamine hits to feel good, often leading to unhealthy habits. I understand. So what is
0: anti-dopamine parenting
4: and how does it help counteract this issue? Anti-dopamine parenting is a new approach that aims to reduce the excessive release of dopamine among children. It consists of setting rules and encouraging alternative activities that do not involve screens or sugary foods. One of the strategies is called Goldilocks activities, where parents can identify activities that are just right for their child and provide an ideal amount of stimulation without going overboard.
0: That's interesting. Can you tell us more about this Goldilocks concept and how it works?
4: Goldilocks activities aim to strike a balance between the level of challenge and skill needed to complete the activity. For example, if a child is playing a video game, the activity should be challenging enough to keep them interested, but not too difficult that they give up. Likewise, if a child is reading a book, the book should be engaging enough to keep them interested, but not so easy that they're bored. When the Goldilocks zone is reached, dopamine is released at a reasonable rate without producing unhealthy addiction to the activity.
0: I see. That sounds like a useful tool. What other strategies can parents use to reduce their child's dopamine release?
4: Another strategy is creating micro environments in the home to minimize access to problematic devices or foods. For example, If a child is spending too much time playing video games, parents can limit access to the gaming console or computer and provide alternative activities in their place. Similarly, if a child is eating too many sugary foods, parents can switch to healthier alternatives or remove unhealthy foods altogether. Finally, it helps to limit the use of screens or foods that may trigger overstimulation and addiction.
0: These are all great strategies to help parents regulate their children's behavior. What are some potential implications or consequences of this research?
4: Well, the implications of this research are still being explored, but it might lead to increased awareness among parents and professionals about the dangers of unchecked dopamine release in children. Additionally, it might help parents identify and develop alternative strategies to promote healthy habits and reduce the risk of addiction. It's essential to note, however, that dopamine is still essential for children's growth and development, so a complete elimination of dopamine-releasing activities is neither possible nor desirable. I see. So,
0: it's about finding the right balance. Thank you, Jenna, for this insightful discussion on anti-dopamine parenting and its uses as a tool to teach children healthy habits. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made with ChatGPT, 11 labs, and a program written by you. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.